March the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Russia turns to China and a dire situation in Mariupol. First, the world in brief. American officials said Russia had asked China for military equipment to aid its invasion of Ukraine. A spokesperson for China's embassy in Washington said that he had, quote, never heard of the request and his country's priority was to ensure the conflict does not escalate. Jake Sullivan, America's national security advisor, will meet Yang Jiexie, a senior Chinese official, in Rome on Monday. The White House announced the meeting as part of, quote, ongoing efforts to manage competition between America and China and to discuss the impact of Russia's assault on Ukraine. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, again called on NATO to implement a no-fly zone over his country after at least 35 people were killed by a Russian missile attack on a military training base in western Ukraine. Over a 100 more were injured. But on Sunday, Russian and Ukrainian ministers tentatively suggested that diplomatic talks were moving in a positive direction. Ukraine's deputy prime minister said that more than 140,000 civilians had been evacuated from conflict zones, but that a humanitarian convoy failed to reach Mariupol, a besieged port city in southeast Ukraine. It was hit by at least 22 Russian strikes over the weekend. More than 2,100 residents have been killed so far, according to local officials. The city council said that the last reserves of food and water were running out. Britain's defence ministry said that the Russian navy has established a, quote, distant blockade of Ukraine's Black Sea coast, quote, effectively isolating Ukraine from international maritime trade. It also said that Russia may again attempt an amphibious landing in the Sea of Azov in the coming weeks. The sanctions imposed on Russia may cause the country to default on its debts, but that would not cause a global financial crisis, according to the IMF. Kristalina Georgieva, the organization's managing director, said that while a default is no longer, quote, improbable, the total exposure of banks to Russia was, quote, not systemically relevant at around $120 billion. Reporters were banned from Irpin, a satellite city of Kyiv, Ukraine's capital, after an American journalist was killed there. Brent Renault was fatally shot by Russian forces on Sunday. Two other journalists were also wounded. Alexander Markoshin, Irpin's mayor, said the ban on journalists was to protect both them and local, quote, defenders. Other news. China placed Shenzhen, a city of 17 million people that borders Hong Kong, into lockdown, as it attempts to contain a growing outbreak of Omicron. Nearly 3,500 cases were reported across the country on Sunday. A missile strike hit the vicinity of the new American consulate under construction in northern Iraq. American officials blamed Iran for the attack. The death toll from Cyclone Gombe, which hit Mozambique on Friday, rose to 12. The storm is now moving towards Malawi. Iran suspended talks with Saudi Arabia. The negotiations were aimed at containing regional proxy conflicts. No reason was given, but
but the rupture came a day after Saudi Arabia executed 81 people, the largest known mass execution in the kingdom's modern history. And fact of the day. Over 2.5 million people, or 6% of Ukraine's population, have crossed into neighbouring countries. And now, here's today's agenda. Inflation looms in India. Oil prices may be soaring, but in India, the cost of fuel has not budged, yet. India imports around 85% of its black stuff, but state-owned fuel companies have resisted putting up prices for more than four months, in part because of looming state elections. But last week, the ruling Bharatiya Janata Party secured a big electoral success in Uttar Pradesh, the country's most populous state. Fuel prices are expected to rise any day. This will do nothing to help the post-COVID economic recovery, but it will add to growing concerns over inflation. In January, the annual rate of inflation passed 6%, the central bank's upper limit. The rate in February, data for which are released on Monday, is likely to be similar. India may be steering clear from the conflict in Ukraine diplomatically, but its economy will feel the effects. War in Ukraine is ravaging the world's wheat supplies. On Monday, Russia releases data on its latest wheat export volumes. They will not be a cause for alarm. Wheat crops are usually harvested in the summer, and by February, most ships are gone. But the future is more worrying. Russia and Ukraine account for 29% of global wheat exports. In Ukraine, the crop may not be planted at all this year. Russia's ostracism means few will want to take the financial and reputational risk of buying its grain. Both have banned wheat exports anyway. Yet Russia and Ukraine are the prime breadbasket for about 800 million people in Africa, Asia and the Middle East. The warring countries are also among the top five exporters of many other staples, from barley to sunflowers. Altogether, their food exports account for 12% of globally traded calories. Russia and Belarus, which is also under sanctions, are major suppliers of critical ingredients for fertilisers. However the war ends, it will cause people to go hungry. Olaf Scholz discusses Russia in Turkey. Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz will visit Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in Ankara on Monday to discuss Russia's invasion of Ukraine, among other things. After a cautious reaction when Russia first threatened Ukraine, Germany's stance has toughened. The country has frozen the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, supplied Ukraine with weapons and pledged to increase its own defence spending. Turkey has been treading more softly for fear of economic retribution from Russia. Mr Erdogan is selling armed drones to Ukraine and opposes Russia's aggression, but refuses to back sanctions against Russia. In a conversation with Vladimir Putin, Russia's president last week, he even offered the warmonger a lifeline, suggesting that trade between Turkey, a NATO member, and Russia be conducted in Russian rubles, Chinese yuan, or gold. This could undermine Western sanctions on Russia, 
Mr. Schultz will no doubt try to persuade Mr. Erdogan that Turkey's friendship with Mr. Putin has run its course. Hope and Dread in Ukraine After 18 days of brutal fighting, is the war in Ukraine spreading or heading for a pause? Perhaps both. On Sunday, a Russian air raid on a Ukrainian base close to the Polish border, used until recently by NATO instructors, killed 35 people and injured more than 130. A major strike so far west is unusual and may indicate Russia's attempt to make good on its threat to attack Western supplies of weapons to Ukraine. Meanwhile, Russian and Ukrainian negotiators are reporting progress after their talks that began in Belarus have continued over video. Legal drafts are being prepared for possible signing by the presidents, Vladimir Putin and Volodymyr Zelensky. The content is still unclear. Will Ukraine surrender territory or accept neutrality? What security guarantees or compensation will it receive in return? Skepticism abounds. Local ceasefires have not always stopped Russia from shooting. The details of any accord are being written on the battlefield. Racing Huskies Every March for the past 50 years, professional mushers, the people who drive dog sleds, have congregated in Anchorage, the largest city in Alaska, for a long-distance race. The Iditarod route traverses over 1,000 miles across the state, ending in Nome, a town on the Bering Sea. The terrain is tough. Mushers and their dogs must contend with forests, mountains and rivers in weather that is, at best, chilly and at worst, highly dangerous. Competitors in the 2022 race departed last week. Advances in equipment and training mean that mushers are completing the race at increasing speeds. The inaugural Iditarod was won by Dick Wilmarth in just over 20 days, but since 1995, every winner has reached Nome in fewer than 10. Last year, Dallas Seavey set a new record of 7 days and 14 hours. The race is not without intrigue. In 2017, Four of Mr. Seavey's dogs tested positive for a banned substance that relieves pain. Mr. Seavey was eventually exonerated, but the mystery doper was never identified. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which magazine editor was widely seen as the model for the boss in the book and film The Devil Wears Prada? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Stephen Hawking, who died on this day in 2018. My goal is simple. It is a complete understanding of the universe. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. 
You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.